you're listening to this in March of 2020, you're probably experiencing a high level of cabin fever right now. You're probably listening to this in isolation. At least I hope you are. I haven't left the house in over a week. Uh, I've just been sitting around trying to get caught up on a few things. I have some hermit tendencies, so it's pretty easy for me to sit back and not see the rest of the world for a little while. I look at it like this. Our grandparents stormed the beaches in Normandy. I think we can sit around on our ass for a little while until this all blows over. And hopefully it will blow over soon. I won't preach to y'all, but uh, take care of each other out there, and I hope you enjoy the show. This is Otis Gibbs, and you're listening to Thanks for Giving a Damn. I'm sitting here in my home in Indianapolis, Indiana. This is a personal journal. This is a bit of an experiment. I like to say right up front that I haven't the slightest idea what I'm doing, but I decided to do it anyway. And this show was founded with the idea that there are only two people in art that matter. There's a creative individual and the person experiencing it. Everything else is an artificial filter. This is a way for me to share things with you guys without any filters whatsoever. My guest this week is David Greer. David is just one of the best guitar players on the planet. You can find out everything you need to know about David at davidgreer.com. So if you haven't heard episode, I think it was 163, David talked about befriending Clarence White and shared a bunch of stories a very popular episode. If you haven't heard that, go back and listen to it now. David recently played a gig here in Indianapolis at Arthur's Music. A wonderful gig. It's great to get to see David and get to catch up with him a little bit. We we're poker buddies back in Nashville, and I missed the poker game there. Man, he's just an amazing guitar player. If you haven't heard him play, you know, just go to YouTube. There's clips on there that are just amazing. Maybe look up a fretboard journal clip where he played Beaumont Rag. It's just great. David has a new record out. You can go to his website and buy it right from him. He gives guitar lessons. You know, it's a great opportunity to get lessons from one of the best guitar players in the world. Learn how to flat pick from the best flat picker there is. How do you not want to do that? His father, Lamar Greer, played banjo for Bill Monroe. And David got to spend quite a lot of time around Bill Monroe. So he was nice enough to tell some stories. I should, it's worth noting that his father recently passed away, and we recorded this right before that. So my condolences go out to David, and you might think about that while you're listening to this. Here's David Greer. So, uh, Dad was playing a banjo in Maryland. Okay, so there's that. And uh, in Maryland, well, the East Coast, things are fairly close. You can go to Boston in maybe five or six hours. So he went everywhere, you know. Heard there's a nice party or Tex Logan was having a party in New Jersey. 
his parties went all night. And uh, you meet people. And one of the people he met was Peter Rowan. And Peter Rowan was young because this is back then. Everybody was younger back then. <laughs> so uh, Pete called Dad, said, Bill's looking for a banjo player. Are you interested? Well, I don't know. Yeah, maybe. Sounds really good. Yeah, maybe. Yeah. So, well, we're playing here. Why don't you come up? Play for Bill. All right. So they played some festival. And at the time, Bill had a left-handed banjo player. He was playing with him. I guess he was leaving or Bill wasn't. I don't know what. So dad got up and played John Henry and just kicked it off faster than hell. So I've heard. I mean, I've not heard the recording, but I've heard stories. And just burned it and played great. And Bill liked it. And it was great. And everybody's happy, blah, blah, blah. Offered him a job. So uh, dad talked to mom, being married and kids and all. There was me and my sister, who's three and a half years younger than I am. And mom said, sure, you know, I know this means a lot to you. It'd be great, blah, blah, blah. But I don't want the kids going to school in Nashville. Because she had heard something where they beat children in Nashville schools. or <laughs> You know <laughs> you know how stuff like that spreads. You hear some stories, and then it takes on epic proportions. It's like, oh, I don't want that. But So, okay. He's, so he agreed. So he played with Bill Monroe from 65 to 67. Bill Monroe just paid whenever you played. Dad had to work stocking shelves at a grocery store just to make enough money to eat, you know, because... Well, what did Bill Monroe pay him, a, a gig? I don't know, but it wasn't much. But this is 65, too, but still, it, it wasn't enough, clearly. And you didn't get paid for your time getting there or getting back, you know, so you, you travel all the way to... Washington State, you play one gig, here's your 30 bucks or whatever. And time you get home, it's gone. You didn't make nothing. So it was Bill, Earl, and Clarence. And I don't know the order, <laughs> but it was them three in our house. It was like they could have been up on Mount Rushmore. <laughs> so that those were the big three. And um, yeah, getting to play with Bill Monroe's a big deal. He he invented this music, you know. What better education could you get than to play on stage with this guy all the time? Pretty cool. And for me, as a kid, not knowing all the stuff he'd done, you know, you don't really know nothing as a kid, but you can tell how people treat him and how people act around him. Bill Monroe, and you're like, well, this guy's special. Something's about it. And huge charisma. It's like, whoa, who's this guy? That's Bill Monroe. <laughs> Like, ah, I wonder, I was just thinking about this the other day. Bill, not there not being as many players then as there are now. There's a bunch of kids and girls and everybody playing. Back then, there were fewer to choose from, I think, of any talent, of any, you know, worthwhile talent. So Bill often would play with whoever he could. If he needed a banjo player, needed a bass player, and you knew somebody that owned one, you're it, <laughs> you know? So, I mean, they wouldn't stay in the van for long until he could find somebody better, but, you know, oftentimes he would tour with whoever he could get. But, well, a lot of them Southern boys, Dad, would, again, was from Maryland, so he's a big Yankee compared to everybody down here. And Peter Rowan was from Boston. Richard Green was from California, so it was his hippie band. People down, you know, North Carolina, 
is either work in the factory or go tour with somebody. So yeah, let's go play music. <laughs> that sounds like a lot easier. But dad had a, a wife and kids and, and a job. And so, yeah, but you know, playing as many years as he did to get to where he was, part of what keeps you practicing and is the thought that, man, wouldn't it be cool to be on tour, go on the road, and and then to get the call to maybe audition for Bill Monroe. Pretty cool. Pretty cool. Really cool. I mean, it's like getting a phone call from Elvis. Hey, you know, I need somebody to hand me drinks on the stage, and how would you like that gig? Just, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> what do you want? <laughs> I traveled, well, my family, when they would go up the East Coast, mom and my sister and I would be on the bus with the Bluegrass Boys and Bill, and they'd drop us off at mom's parents. One time, I was sitting in the front seat with Bill, me and Bill, best buddies. We're eating peanuts or candy or chocolates or something. Bill and I are eating. And someone, and I don't know this, because, but I was told this. Mom told me, he says, somebody came up. To Bill and say, hey, Bill, can I have a piece of that? He says, get your own. You got your own money. This is me and David's. <laughs> so, <laughs> so me and him ate all that food. And uh, candy, not really food, but you know what I mean. You know what I'm saying. And um, there was another instance where I had a Coke bottle, a real bottle that had curves. You know how an old Coke bottle and a straw. And they're rehearsing, and he's trying to, you know, Bill would hum these parts to the fiddle player or whoever. In this case, it was the fiddle player. Goes like this. You know, fiddle player do it and mess up. No, right there. Oh, and I was doing it on my bottle <laughs> with the straw. But, you know, and I knew down here it was low and up here is high, so I was doing it. And Bill said, even he's got it. I remember that. And of course, it's a bottle. There's no noise coming out of it at all, but it looked like, you know. <laughs> So that must have been hell for for Richard to have to hear that. And I learned how to count change from Bill Monroe because of Bill Monroe. Uh, he would reach, you know, you travel, you get a big pocket full of change in your front pockets. Who wants that? So he reached in there, just give me a handful. Nickels, dimes, quarters, pennies, you know, whatever's there. Here you go, David. Oh, cool. And mom said, you can't keep that unless you can count it. Well, I don't know. What's this one? That's 25. That's a quarter. Okay, 25. And what's that? A penny. So that's 26, right? Yeah. And so, you know, I learned how to count change. And I learned how to read a little bit. I remember seeing all those emergency stopping only on the side of the highways. There used to be signs like that. Fell out of the bunk once. And dad happened to be walking by. I was sleeping in his bunk and he caught me midair. I just rolled out of the bunk. I don't know what the hell. Just a kid, you know. There's no air conditioning on the bus. Oh, back then. no, you're sweating your ass off. Nobody's got clean showers. No. All each other. Dad told the story they went one time to somewhere, Alabama, and picked up a bunch of chickens. And the time they got back to Nashville, everybody was itching chicken lice all over the bus. <laughs> it's like, Bill, what are you doing? No, he was cool. What's a kid going to do to Bill Monroe? <laughs> Nothing. He, they were at the house rehearsing. Peter Rowan, Richard Green, James Monroe, Bill's son on bass, and Bill and Dad 
Rehearsing in the living room. Well, I got to go to bed. It's bedtime. Okay. Mom puts me to bed. Great. But there's all this stuff going on, right? So, hell, who wants us to go to bed? So I, I wait like five minutes because surely they'll have forgotten by then. So then I sneak down the hall. I look around the corner and they're picking. I'm watching. Mom sees me. Didn't I tell you go to bed? Why, sure. <laughs> but <laughs> go to bed. Ah, All right. So he takes me back to bed. I wait another five or probably five minutes. I was going to say 10, but I'm sure I didn't have that much patience. Probably five minutes. I wait. Well, surely they must have forgot by now. <laughs> I sneak down the hallway again and watch them picking for a little bit before they see me and shuffle me off back to bed. But you have any memories of being at Bean Blossom back then? I do. Of just running around. You know, not a specific one memory, but I remember being there and running around just as a kid. You know, and music playing all the time. You know, you can't outrun the sound of a banjo. <laughs> but just running around with other kids there, and it was it was just fun. And it, I don't know if it's the same. Maybe it is. Or I was just way innocent as a kid. There was no bad things that happened, really, you know. So you could hang around with other kids, people you didn't even know, and just run around all the parked cars, play hide-and-seek, or watch a jam session, hear it run over there, there's a fire, and just sit around the fire a little bit, or go get something to eat, or whatever. You know, there's tons of things for a kid to do, and I did them all. <laughs> and it was just fun times, you know, check in with your mom or dad every now and then. Other than that, run. And for all the traveling he did, to be not any more worldly than he was was amazing. Mark Henry, bass player for him one time, said they were standing in the middle of Times Square at midnight, and Bill says, do you think there's anywhere open we could get a bite to eat? <laughs> the whole place is open. The whole entire, as far as you can see, is just bustling. Look, do you think there's a place we could maybe get something to eat at this hour? Yeah, Bill, I think there is. The city that never sleeps. Yeah. <laughs> just New York City, Times Square. But Dad said they'd play somewhere and he'd get paid. Big paper sack full of cash. Leave. Pete, you got that money? I thought you got it. No, you're supposed to get it. Well, I thought you had it. Big paper sack full of cash laying in the dressing room. Gone. Just played all night and left. Left a big sack of money there. Then I heard stories of he and his brother playing somewhere and somebody was climbed up and was looking in the window at the show didn't pay his quarter to see the show bill went out there and just kicked his ass <laughs> just beat him up and the guy said, oh i didn't have a quarter well you should have said something not to let you in for a dime or something but you're stealing right now so he just kicked his ass he was a pretty stout feller he he would shake hands with you and pull you just just to see if he could and he was really strong You'd be best not to irritate him that way, but he was pretty smart. Country boy smart. There's funny things. He's talking to his girlfriend riding in the bus going down the road, and there's soybeans growing, field of soybeans. And Bill knew what soybeans were, you know. Uh, what do you think that is right there? I think that's corn, Bill. 
He goes, oh, your brain ain't that long. <laughs> <laughs> he holds up his fingers a couple inches apart and says, oh, your brain ain't but that long. There's a lot of quotes attributed to him that are just amazing. One of my favorites is Bill's at a festival, which means he's standing in a field, and this feller comes up with a camera. Mr. Monroe, may I have a picture? That'd be fine right there. You go ahead. And the guy's focusing, you know, and he's, uh, Bill, can you back up? Bill says, you back up. <laughs> I love that. It's simple. He's the one focusing. He knows how far to back up, or, but he's telling him to back up. So Bill's like, you back up. Wonderful. I love that's my favorite one. And there's a bunch. What's one? Some He's in New York again, and some feller gives him a bagel. And Bill must not have ever had a bagel. And he bit into one. That's the worst donut I ever had. Taste of an onion. (laughs) (laughs) And so I moved back to Nashville in maybe 85. You know, I moved back with my parents to Maryland. I went to school and graduated and all that, played in some bands up there. And then I, I moved to Nashville in 85. And I see Bill Monroe. I was like, ah, that old man doesn't remember me. Hi, I'm David Greer. My dad played banjo with you. We used to eat candy. I know. He was like, whoa, cool, and shook his hand. And from then on, me and him was good. We were good anyways, but it was reintroduction, you know. It was great. I heard stories about his band, saying people saying they wouldn't eat with him. He'd be out on the road, and they'd stop somewhere at a restaurant, truck stop, somewhere to eat. And the band would get their own table, and Bill would eat alone. I said, what's that about? Well, he makes fun of everybody when you eat. I said, well, shit, eat regular then. (laughs) You know? I said, well, you make old man eat by himself. Well, he just makes fun of everybody. I said, give me an example. He said, well, that one there eats like a horse. Well, he probably does then, you know? What's the deal? You can't take it? Is that the worst thing that's ever happened to you? So anyway, I would see Bill in a restaurant here in town, and I'd walk up to him, and I'd say, well, hi there. I guess they let anybody in here, huh? <laughs> He'd say, oh, they let you in here, didn't they? I said, yes, sir, and just walk on and get my, you know, lunch. And it was basically, hi, how are you? I'm fine, and you, you know, just how you do with friends. And it was that kind of thing, and he liked playing around like that. It wasn't nothing mean, you know, just goofing off. And he knew it and was playful that way. And he, me and him was great. I went to parties at his house, at Bill's house. I played on a record that he was on. It's not his record. It was Butch Robbins' record. Butch plays a banjo for Bill Monroe. Did a couple different stints with him. And he did a record, and Bill played on like five or six cuts. So that was wonderful. Who would have been at the parties at the house? Who did you see there? Oh, most of the Bluegrass Boys, Ronnie McCurry, his brother Rob. I'm trying to remember who all. Tex Logan was at one of the parties. Do you know of Tex Logan? Tex wrote Christmas Times of Coming. Emmy Lou did it. Lots of people have done it. He wrote that. And he worked at Bell Labs. He's a damn math genius and a fiddle player. Go figure. Opposite ends of the spectrum almost. But uh, 
you just show up and pick and there's one over in that corner one over here and a bunch of people talking about stuff talking about music these talking about whatever yeah and it all ends up in his living room with whoever's left and sitting and talking and picking just like that. i used to have which i don't anymore or if i do i don't know where it is back in the days of uh answering machines tape you know Bill Monroe calling me up. Hey, we're looking for a guitar player over here. What are, what are you doing? It's like, oh man, I gotta save that. <laughs> and I did, but now you know I've moved several times. It's been decades. I have no idea where it is. But my buddy Mike Compton had him over at his house, and they were talking about picking. And Mike said, "Well, you need to call David Greer." So he did. Called me up. Yeah, it's cool. Do you remember how you heard that? Uh... Bill Monroe had passed away? Probably a phone call from somebody. I don't recall who. Did you go to the funeral? I did. I was there. Dad came down. He and I drove up from here to get there. Rosine, Kentucky. Bunch of folks. I didn't go into church. I was at the church, but it was jam-packed full of people. I didn't go in. Dad may have. I don't know. But when they come out and went to the burial, then I was there. So I remember that. They had him at the Ryman before all that. What I remember most about seeing Bill laying there was that he looked so presidential. It's funny you said Lincoln earlier that uh, he, when you're dead, your face sort of sinks a little bit and your nose is even more prominent and it's just like wow it just looked again like something off of a nickel or mount rushmore or something it's like golly he could have been by looking and not knowing it's like oh, he could have been a president <laughs> was was my thought it's like wow look at that oh yeah well yeah it, it's the end of an era now what's left now what's left? Well, there's Mac Wiseman, there's these guys, that guy, and this guy's passed on now. This guy's passed. A lot of the first generation of guys are gone, and when Monroe passed, it's like, okay, well, there you go. New new time now, because nobody can do what he did, and, you know, it'll just be different. I played a festival in Colorado, and I asked the crowd, big bunch of people, raise your hands if you ever saw Bill Monroe. I mean, there's hundreds of people there. And maybe seven people raised their hand. Seven. Like, wow. At a bluegrass festival. Yeah. They knew of him, knew the name, but they'd never seen him live play. I mean, they've seen pictures. But they've never saw him play live. It's like, wow. Well, here's one I wrote. <laughs> 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 Blue moon of Kentucky. <laughs> no. <laughs> but uh yeah, Bill Monroe. He's in four different halls of fame. He's in uh, well, bluegrass, songwriters, country music hall of fame, and the rock and roll hall of fame, too. Who would have thought Bill Monroe would be in a rock and roll hall of fame? But Elvis, Blue Moon of Kentucky, and Paul McCartney cut that also. Pretty cool. From a guy that it's a hillbilly from Kentucky in some way.
How many songs did he write? Tons of songs. And he was writing good songs up until the day he died. He could write us another. I could write a three-minute tune in 30 seconds. That's another one of his. <laughs> that's another one of his quotes. That's so good. It's like, well, sure, you just repeat it. But what, what, whatever. <laughs> it's so good. It's so, I mean, it's wonderful. Bub said that he would always be trying to pitch people a song. And say, oh, that's, God. That's number one country. Ozark Rag. If you played guitar, you heard that tune. I got a song for he completely listen to this, is it? Listen. Oh that you need to cut that. That really hit the country right there. The Ozark Rag. Yes, sir. <laughs> and it used to be you could tell how long somebody had been living in Nashville by how good they did their Monroe voice. You know. <laughs> Nowadays people don't know they just don't know. People are stupid. But um yeah, back then, when I moved here, he was still up and about. He used to play the Bell Cove on Wednesday nights in Hendersonville. And Roland White and I went just to hang out because there's music and there's Bill. Well, Bill and Roland, Roland played with Bill Monroe for a few years before he started playing with Lester Flat. He played with Bill Monroe, played guitar. And, uh, golly. So the, and when he wasn't, in between jobs, he would drive the bus for Bill Monroe. So Bill knew Roland, and Roland, they knew each other very well, very well. And they're walking in this club, and they come up to each other, and they get a few feet apart, and Roland says, Hi, Bill. And Bill says, Do I know you? And Roland says, I guess not. And just kept walking. <laughs> and I'm behind Roland, so I'm watching this all unfold. It's like, whoa. And then Bill turns around, hey, hey, right there, hey, hold on right there. <laughs> it's just, I guess not. It's so funny. I love that. I mean, you got Bill Monroe way up on a pedestal because he's done so many things and he's so revered and yada, yada, yada. But he's just another hillbilly, you know? He's just, a, just like you, just like me. So, yeah, I mean, you don't want to push him, but you can goof off with him a little bit, you know? And it's just fun. Just normal people. I really appreciate you coming over here and sharing stories, man. Well, sure. It's good to see you. It's good to see you, too. Good to see you outside of the poker game. Yeah. I didn't lose any money today. <laughs> <laughs> I'd like to thank everybody for listening in, and I'd like to thank David for sharing some Bill Monroe stories and offer my condolences about his father. You can find out everything you need to know about David at davidgreer.com. If you'd like to help support this show, just go to otisgibbs.com and you can pick up a CD, a t-shirt, you can download any record I've ever made, you can buy one of my photographic prints, you can buy one of Amy's records, you can buy one of Amy's children's books. But anything that you buy, we'll mail from our living room to yours and we'll even put in a little thank you note. If you'd like to help out but you're a little short on cash, just go to iTunes and leave us a five-star review. Leave a comment. Subscribe and you'll get a brand new episode free as soon as it's available. But if you enjoy this show, or you enjoy my music, or you enjoy Amy's music, please take the time to tell a friend and help us spread the word. And if you'd like to send us a message, we'd love to hear from you. Just send it to info at otisgibbs.com. I'm Otis Gibbs. Thanks for giving a damn.